0: you're back at the sacred birth circle i'm so glad you're here this conversation will be so inspiring and informative for anybody who's wishing to become pregnant or who is pregnant because you never know what type of complications might arise so thank you for joining us please make sure you comment and share on social media so we can help many other families welcome to the sacred birth circle my name is anna Vic. i'm so happy that you're here with us today I have a wonderful guest to share with you, and I'm very happy to have her. Let's go ahead and introduce our guest here today, Jay Wilson, who many of you may know from Melanated Moms, but we're going to get some of her story today, which is really exciting because I've met her kind of professionally in what we do, trying to advocate, and I've heard a little bits and pieces, but this will be helpful for anyone who's pregnant or going on that journey because I feel like the more we share our stories, we're going to help each other and empower each other for anything that might come our way. Cause you never know what you're gonna get with pregnancy, unfortunately. You start off low risk and then you start finding out you have this and that situation. So I think it's really powerful to hear people's stories. So Jay, why don't you introduce yourself and let us know about you and your background and then we can go into your story next.
1: Sure, um, first of all, again, thank you so much for the opportunity um, to share my story and to you know just be in community with one another. My name is Jay Wilson. I'm the founding president and CEO of Melanated Moms. We are a community-centered women empowerment organization that primarily creates more opportunities for moms, women, and birthing people to have the support that they need, right? That's that's self-reflective, but also um, that is uh, rooted in advocacy, community engagement, education, and opportunities just to connect and grow, right? So I'm super excited to be here. Um, I can't wait to really dive into our conversation.
0: Thank you so much. I think I was connected through Sam with you because she took your training the first time and she got us all involved at Push for Empowered Pregnancy to try to get the training that you provide, which is uh, finding your roar. And that's really great because for me, it's like you're continuing to expand not only like what you're able to advocate yourself, but you're trying to amplify everyone's message. And it's, really a community effort. You know, we all have the same, I think, overall goals of producing um, healthy pregnancies and having a supported family and having, you know, great birth outcome for both mother and the baby. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really powerful what you guys have started. And, you know, you can share a little bit about that at the end, if you like to go more into what you do and your current projects, but we want to get to know Jay today. So you have been through several pregnancies, I know. So if you want to start at the beginning or whatever order feels right for you, feel free to let us know, you know, a little bit about your history and what that actually showed you as far as your calling and what you're doing
1: now. Yeah, sure. Um, So um, I am a four-time survivor of preeclampsia. Preeclampsia is a high blood pressure disease that Um, can develop during pregnancy and also can linger after. Um, I unfortunately have had several losses due to my preeclampsia. So, you know, I can just go through my my journey. Um, So my first pregnancy was when I was 19. Um, I was a sophomore in college and, um, you know, I became pregnant and I didn't know what my options were. You know, I went to the doctor, for the confirmation and prior to becoming pregnant um, I was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure and um, a kidney disease and at my confirmation appointment the doctor told me you're going to develop preeclampsia Um, the only option that you have is to terminate this pregnancy and at 19 I didn't know what questions to ask I didn't know what options I actually really had right but I talked to my family, and I asked more about if anyone ever heard of preeclampsia, if this is something that was genetic, or if it came across anyone else's um, pregnancy journey. Um, to To my family's knowledge, they all said no. They're like, well, you know, I've never heard of it before. You know, if the doctor said that's what you have to do, then that's what you probably should do. You know, I felt very unsettled with that being my only option and my only decision so I tried to do my own research but again you know as a young girl I really didn't I really didn't know I didn't know what I needed to know I didn't know what questions to really ask so um, I got to about I think 14 weeks or so and I decided to terminate the pregnancy and I just felt so bad about it because I did I feel like that was a decision that was made for me as opposed to with me right so um, a couple years later, my um, my boyfriend then became my ex became my husband. He's not my ex husband. And <laughs> um, when we got married, we decided yes, let's try again to have children. Let's figure out what our options are. And we actually went to preconception counseling, met with the doctor, talked about my history with my first pregnancy. Um, the doctor was really surprised and confused. He's like, well, why did they tell you that was your only option? We could have done X, Y, Z, elemental P. So there's nothing you can do about the past, right? Hindsight is always better than foresight. But I felt like that was a opening door for me to know that I do have options. And this journey of getting to motherhood was actually feasible because I now had a provider who was listening and who also was invested in the success of me having a, 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 a baby, right? So, yeah. Um, We got to 22 weeks, and at 22 weeks, I was on my way home from work, and um, I I live in the New York City area. I was coming off of the train, and I felt a rush of water, or I thought it was water, um, coming off the train. And in the train station, there is a um, police station. I went into the station, and I told them, I said, you know, I'm six months pregnant, and I think my water broke. They're like, "Why well, are you sure it was water? Go check in the bathroom." I go to the bathroom. It was not water. It was a lot of blood. So they rush me to the hospital. As we're going to the hospital, the ambulance is checking my vitals. My blood pressure was like 240 over 100 and something. Um, they're asking me all these questions. I'm freaking out. And they're like, "Do you know what's happening to you? Do you know you can die?" We have to figure out how to save you. And I'm trying to process all of these things in the moment, right? But I'm also confused because I'm like, I did all of the steps. I went to the doctor, we did the research, we had all of the, the pieces that we needed, and yet we're still here, right? Um, unfortunately, my daughter did not make it. Um, so she passed away, I think, two days after admission. Um, and I gave birth to her still. And just going through that, it was so scary because I, I couldn't grasp what happened. I couldn't understand why it was happening to me. And I didn't really know who to talk to about it. Right. So speaking with my, my then husband and, you know, telling him how important it was for me to be a mom, but to know that this was, you know, this was our end result. I was afraid. I'm like I don't know if I could ever do this again. You know, my first pregnancy was taken away from me because I didn't have the right answers, and I didn't know what questions to ask to make the decision that would have been best for me. And this pregnancy, we did all of the steps. We went through all of the things together, and we still ended up here. I don't know if I can do this again. You know, um. Sorry. That was so difficult. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, And, you know, for a very long time, it took me a while to not look at those situations as resentment, but more as a way to refocus my lens and really see what was the purpose of me going through it, right? So um, one thing that I I always think about is my grandmother. My grandmother raised me, and she will always tell me, you got to go through it to get through it. And there are things that you're gonna go through that's gonna feel like super heavy that you can never get through in your head. But you have family, you have community, you have support, and that's gonna get you through it. So even if it's just one step at a time, you're gonna get through it, you know? So I just remember holding on to that thought um, and realizing that when and if I became a mother, it would happen, but it's going to happen in the time that it's supposed to, you know, so this pain and uncertainty and questions of who, what, when, where, why, and how are going to be answered eventually, right? So I'm thankful my um, two subsequent pregnancies um, resulted in live births, but it definitely put me in a different headspace of what to be aware of and Um, what things I needed to do to prepare my body. Um, Also learning my environment and realizing how much of those things also um, contributed to the success or demise of my pregnancy, right? So having to have conversations with my then husband um, about how to properly support me and talking to my family about a space where no one seemed to have experience in, but I needed that support, you know, um, and just continuing to open up and share those feelings. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I, in 2008, I was able to give birth to my first daughter, uh, Nadia. She's 13 now. Um, and in 2011, I was able to give birth to my second daughter, Ava. She's 10. She'll be 11 in August. And just like seeing each pregnancy was very different, but still had some similarities, right? So they were all preeclamptic pregnancies. Every one of them got progressively worse. Um, Once I got to my last daughter, um, oh my Lord, (laughs) it was just so much that ended up happening from her pregnancy um, that even now I'm still dealing with. So after having my last daughter, I developed a heart condition And still to this day, I'm taking medication and I'm really aware of um, the cardiac impact of preeclampsia, how it has long term effects. So all of that was a super long story. (laughs) All of that really helped to put together the pieces of why I'm doing the work that I'm doing and how Melanated Moms has developed into an advocacy network, Um, even though my initial intentions were just to create a space for community engagement for mommy friends, right, so we were all connected through the commonality of being moms and birthing people, but when I started to ask the women who would come to our events or who would, you know, participate in different things we were doing, I would ask them, how do you describe melanated moms to other people? And they would always say, You're an advocacy space, you're a voice for moms to talk about the things that a lot of people don't know or don't experience or don't witness. Um, you give us a voice in the space that is safe um, and you give us uh all of these different resources of what options we have um, to turn, you know, these different opportunities into something um, more fruitful as opposed to just a very limited scope of who you are, or who you're gonna become, um, going from a woman to a mom. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think what you touched upon when you're talking to your, you know, other family members not knowing about this condition, that's really important because I think things have changed. Like we're in a shift now where there is much more information available, Yeah, the you know, social media, internet, and all that. And people actually speaking out and sharing stories, which previously might've been more kept inside because of the culture, you know, shame or guilt. Like, especially if you have had loss, yeah, you know, people don't normally just come out and talk about it, but you knew, you know, medically the things that were happening. So I think sharing that is powerful for others, you know, to see and like hear from. And the fact that your first could have possibly been avoidable, yeah. you know, that's really tragic. And I'm so sorry, you know, I think everyone should have all the options available to them and present it, you know, fully. And, you know, we do trust the care provider to give us the plan of action, especially being younger once we, you know, our first pregnancies are yeah. like, okay, you know what you're talking about, let's do that, you know, and you don't ever question it, especially with preeclampsia, which is dangerous for you as well. Yeah, you kind of touched on that, you know, for your health, and even it can be worse, right? Like that can result in death for a mother, if the baby continues, the pregnancy continues, and that, you know, risk to your health is still there. Right. So I think um, in a lot of those cases, you do have to deliver, correct? Like, in order yeah. to
1: It's interesting because the initial cure for preeclampsia was thought to just be birth. So once you have the baby, you're cured. You don't have preeclampsia anymore. But as time has gone on, they've seen that there are long-term effects that come from preeclampsia birthing people, right? So um, like I said, I developed a, a cardiac issue after having my last child. And I still take medication. I still see my cardiologist. Um, Just maybe a couple months ago, I actually had to wear a heart monitor um, to make sure that, you know, everything was functioning properly. Um, But even going through my pregnancies 10 and 13 years ago and further on, um, I could have easily been able to tap into the preeclampsia foundation. I had no idea that that was even a thing, right? So it wasn't until I started to do this work and I formed my organization that I found out any of these resources were available. you know. So for me, it's really learning how to tap into the community that really needs these resources, right? And being very frank and, and transparent, black and brown communities are suffering at a disproportionate rate of having high-risk pregnancies, of having preterm labors, of having stillbirth babies, but we are, the least to get the right resources in our hands to be able to process all of these thoughts and experiences and make the best choices that are, you know, essential for us and our our families and our well being. Right. So, it's really difficult to see that even even as almost twenty years later, um, a lot of those same communication paths are are very limited right so for me this is important in the work that i do so if i don't do anything else i want to continue to be that um that resource for families to find um, for themselves but then also be be the bridge to other people to get the resources that they need as well so i, I like to say find a resource be a resource Hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just, I don't want to focus like heavily on
0: preeclampsia, but that does, you know, obviously come up in your pregnancies Yeah, and you mentioned it for a black woman, they have a higher risk of even developing this and even a higher risk of dying from it, Yeah, you know, is the case for all maternal um, morbidity, mortality issues. Mm -hmm. So I'm finding it like really, uh, it's just frustrating to hear that. Yeah. Because it doesn't even come down to like necessarily resources or information, education, as we see in like the case of, you know, Shamani um, an Aftershock movie. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone in the family knew about the situations and was speaking out about it and asking for help. So, mm-hmm. what is your advice to moms? I know you work with them a lot. Like, how do they advocate better? How, I mean, they're doing all they can. It's really hard when the system itself is racist towards them and not listening to their concerns. And maybe, you know, if they downplay certain pains, it's like normal pregnancy issue or after giving birth when really they should bring them in and check everything out. You know, I guess that's the lesson learned, right? Like don't just trust, just come in and make them check you. I don't know, what would you suggest
1: for that? Yeah, so I, I do a couple of things. So first and foremost, I validate them, right? So I validate the feelings and the experiences that they've had. Um, and there's no such thing as too small or too big, right? So giving them that space to hear that someone hears them and knows that what they're saying is true to them. That's that's a huge component in being able to be a resource. Secondly, I tap into the resources that they know of. So, you know, if, if I'm connecting with the mom one-on-one, I'm asking them, where do you live? Who's providing your care? You know. All of these different ways of how to get them connected. Who's your? Do you have health insurance? Do you not have health insurance? What are your options, right? And then lastly, um, help them to develop that roadmap of what does it look like for you to be a better version of yourself through your pregnancy and beyond, right? So, how do you gain the things that you need to make those um, decisions that you that you need to make throughout these these next nine months um, to make sure that you have a successful pregnancy and not, or, and if you are to experience any high risk um, situations, or if you've had history of pregnancy loss or, um, you know, uh, pregnancy complications, how do you navigate that? Who do you tap into that can actually Provide you with the validation that you need to to feel that you have the comprehensive care that you deserve, right? So, um, I'm a firm believer that healthcare is not a privilege; it's a right. We all should have um, equitable opportunities to be cared for um, because our well being is everything, right? But we have to also hold these spaces accountable. So, I know for me, one thing that I'm really excited about. Um, in terms of the work that I do is, um, I'm very tapped into the state of New Jersey and our maternal mortality um, work. Um, I'm a part of the uh, New Jersey Maternal Care Quality Collaborative, um, which reviews and creates more opportunities for quality measures um, to be reviewed at hospitals and, and birthing centers, but also creating these spaces where we're talking to the people these OBs, these midwives, the people who are part of these birth experiences um, to create a, a, um, a, a collaborative or integrated a care plan for the, the women and birthing people who are utilizing their care, you know? So it's not a one-sided thing, you know? So we know in order to see these changes happen in real time, we have to be a part of the solution. So, you know, one of the things that we talk about in Find Your Roar is knowing, you are the first link in the chain of change, right? So if we don't insert ourselves as a part of the solution, it will always pass us by, right? So we have to talk to the people who've had these experiences, whether it's negative or positive, but it's giving them the ability to say this stuff out loud, to tap into the people who are around them, um, and then also identify where there are gaps, right? So if you see, you don't have a resource for, a high risk pregnancy in your area? Where's the closest place? Who do we talk to about making sure that you have someone who can care for your um your you know your healthcare experience during a high risk or you know a, a pregnancy loss? Who 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 are your resources? And who can we who can we bring into the conversation? Um, on a macro level, like your legislators, your um, your political backing um, that really control the way that your state, your county, your city, um, your region receives uh, resource funding, right? So it's giving them that space of here are all of your options but you are a part of the options that you have, you know? Um, And I don't think a lot of people realize how powerful their own voices can be to find and to be a part of the resources that they need. Mm
0: -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think what you're building is beautiful because, to be honest, a lot of us go through pregnancy alone, you know, depending on Mm -hmm. family structure. And we may not have family members that share their birth experience. And we may not, you know, know our own histories from previous, you know, yeah. ancestors or our parents even sharing what happened in their pregnancies and yeah. you know even in going so far back like my grandma she had a loss after um her daughter was alive and then it might have been a month or so after and she just didn't know what happened because the science wasn't there you know yeah so they have no reasons to believe anything but that could have been connected to me and my reproductive issues you know who knows yeah. And I know a lot of women who have stillbirth who then tell me, oh, well, my grandma had one, but, you know, we never really talked about it and we didn't really know what happened to that baby, you know, Mm -hmm. so it does not help the future family. So, you know, it's sad for us. Like when I talk about my son Owen all the time, like, you know, it's not self-serving in any way. I do love talking about my son, but I feel like I'm just giving that piece of him to the world because I feel like if something went wrong in a pregnancy and we see it and we know it now we owe it to the rest of humanity to like try to improve that for them because you know the things that happen shouldn't have happened and I think it does have to do with the structure of our care system now being so you know for profit it's you know it's not run with heart you know it's not like everyone's like let's make sure everyone's baby's alive and well because even when you lose a child they don't necessarily help you figure out why right and try to improve their care. And unless you really bother them, like I've tried, you know, to come back with, oh, now I've figured it out. Now, what do you want to do about this? You know, and they don't necessarily take criticism and, you know, do the change. So we have to keep working at it. And I think it's hard to be the person it happened to and talk about it. So I find it really, you know, brave for everyone who does it because, it is a trauma that we're reliving. Um, And I think it does help, you know, to kind of process it. And like you do where it's like, now I have a meaning and a purpose and I'm using this to help other people, but it's still like really horrible that it happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I I wonder about the moms, like you, me, uh, a lot of them that get active in this sort of work, it's probably all straight from trauma. Right. people don't really get like, Oh, I'm going to help everyone with their birth just because my birth was beautiful. Like, well, they don't even know what the problem is. If their be- birth was perfect and beautiful, they might just think that that's how all birth is, you know. And then they want to continue that. But as far as fixing things, I think it comes from these spaces of, you know, pain and suffering through a loss or bad
1: birth trauma and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's 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 a mixed bag, um. Actually, I, and I very much thought it would be very much uh, trauma centered. Like, oh, I have to change it because this is what I went through. Um, But I've had women who have had both, right? So they've had more than one child and maybe this pregnancy wasn't what they expected it to be, but this one was beautiful. And they're like, wait a minute. I didn't know these were options. I didn't know I can tap into this or I didn't know about midwives. I didn't know about doulas. I didn't know how all of this stuff can impact what my experience is, right? Um, Like we've done a lot of um, community conversations, focus groups where we've asked our moms and women um, about what, what was their birthing experience like if they rated it on a scale of one to five. And the majority gave us a five rating. We're like, oh, that's great. What made it great? Or what made you give it a five? And almost all of them were Um, their basis of their answer was, well, I survived. And it scares me to think that that is their baseline. It's like, well, I'm just glad I got to go home with my baby. And while that's a jarring statistic to hear from other people, what's really scary is they had no idea, a lot of them had no idea about maternal mortality And infant mortality and how it relates to who they are as people, how it relates to our race and ethnicity um, and all of these other statistical pieces of data. That actually coincide with them subconsciously feeling that that rating of five is actually a good rating because they survive right Um, so giving them that knowledge of well, yes, I understand why you think surviving was a a five uh, you know five experience but. Here's here's the history of why that's that 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 exists, um, but also why we need to change that. Right, your baseline shouldn't be just survival. You're supposed to survive childbirth. We're in 2022, you know. Um, and you know, you I know you mentioned aftershock and um, you know giving space to them. Um, I know uh, Bruce McIntyre and his the loss of um, his fiance and how she knew she had help syndrome prior to giving birth and still was met with so much resistance. It hurts to see that they were, again, prepared for the high risk, but they weren't met with the type of support and resources that they needed um, in enough time, you know, and unfortunately, she lost her life. And I, I can appreciate that even with the loss of her, um, Bruce and, you know, their son are actually living out the legacy of, um, of, uh, uh Amber, what's her name? I'm sorry. Yeah. Amber Rose, mm-hmm. Amber Rose Isaacs. And it really is important to really highlight that, right? So seeing how people have to still go on, even throughout all of these traumatic events and these, Um, different circumstances that happen, um, they become resilient, but they also become warriors and and they create more opportunities to have spaces like this where we can share in a safe space um, and we can be each other's resource without fear or ridicule or, you know, resistance, you know, and I think this is what actually will create that systemic change that needs to happen um, because we're holding all of these healthcare spaces accountable by having these conversations every single day.
0: Yeah, if anyone hasn't seen the film, please do. It's on Hulu and honestly, like I watched it in Sundance and it was just so devastating that yeah. you will understand a lot more about what's going on if you watch that and you know, hopefully join the fight for change because As I mentioned earlier, it's just a system that's broken. It's not individuals necessarily, but the way that we run healthcare in this country that just has become a a machine. It's a monster, right? It's just like churning people in and out to make the money at the end of the day, right? But insurance companies what they want to cover and but we are the consumers, the clients in that system as well. So we have the right to say what we need and what we want. And together as a collective, we are more powerful for that. Right. You know, as you go individually to your doctor and ask, well, I need another scan. He may not listen to you. But if we're all saying we want scans in the third trimester to avoid stillbirth and demanding it all as one, you know, as we try to do with Push for Empowered Pregnancy and all the groups we're you know, joined together with that's something much more powerful you know that's what major groups do like lobbying groups that get together and say this is what we need from the government from the bills we're trying to push like the shine for autumn act and Mm -hmm. another one coming too for um just including stillbirth and all the work that we're trying to do because at the end of the day like that is the worst outcome as well as a mother dying dying at the third trimester it should not be happening right half should really be preventable. And in case of maternal mortality, it's over 60% or more should be preventable. So for mother to die, it's not just a tragedy, it's outrageous, you know, in this country. And we are allowing it to happen. And we're just sitting ducks in the situation if we're just going through our normal care system and assuming that they're going to do what's best for us. And it's hard, you know, you don't normally question that, I think, because you know, as a child, you're taken to your appointments and you go and you just expect whatever they're giving you and telling you is the right thing. They're the doctors, they have the education, and then you become an adult. And this is kind of like your first transition into being the mother figure and everything. So you don't really understand, like there might be some things they're missing and you may know more than them in this situation because it's your body and you're holding the baby inside of you and you can feel changes before them, Mm -hmm. you know, where they may not, and they're running their normal tests, which is nothing to them, but they might not catch it all. So right. you have to listen a lot more. And that's why like the CDC's campaign, Hear Her is so important to us because if you're not listening to your patient and taking into account symptoms, then you're not really providing adequate
1: care and you're gonna miss something like we have been. Right. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier with making sure that we're validating these experiences, right? so. Creating spaces where moms, women, and birthing people are comfortable with sharing out loud what's happening to them. Um, a couple of years ago, I actually did a talk on um, maternal health and um, mental health awareness, right? And understanding how there's so many stigmas that come along with expressing, you know, um, postpartum depression or um, any previous mental health issues prior to pregnancy. Um, especially with communities of color. Um, We've seen that there is, again, a huge disproportionate rate of black and brown families. I think it's 2.5 to three times are more likely to have children removed or have involvement of child protection. Um, And just think about how that also impacts the stress that they're having on a pregnancy, um, allostatic load, um, and, and the resources that they have available in that moment, right? So we always talk about implicit bias and how that comes from the healthcare space, right? But there's also an implicit perception, right? So as a patient, you may perceive anything that I say to this provider can hinder me from getting the help that I actually need. So if I say something out loud that they don't like, or if it goes against, what they're suggesting to me, are they gonna use that as a defense mechanism to cause more harm, right? Which also increases their rates of maternal mortality, infant mortality, um, and, you know, higher risk for um, stillbirth and preterm labor. So all of these things are really interconnected. And I know, you know, we're talking about stillbirth because that is the topic, but all of these different intersections of how um, birth can be a traumatic experience for people. It comes from recognizing how all of these things feed into what's what their experiences are, right? I know my experiences, um, each pregnancy I had, they were very different. Um, but it was traumatic enough for me to say, I never want to do that again. I love my children, I'm grateful for them. Um, but I know, you know, health-wise, it would be incredibly dangerous for me to try again. But Just knowing how much I endured in those nine months of carrying these these kids, I'm like, I don't ever want to risk them not having a mom because of how the system is set up, you know, and I'm in this work every single day, but I'm still just as much at risk as anyone else, right? I know we've, you know, you've heard the story um, about Shalon Irving, an epidemiologist who literally wrote the book literally wrote the book on these um, health disparities and complications and how it relates to um, black and brown women in um, their pregnancy experiences. And she also lost her life, right? So the same things that she literally wrote the book about, she was a victim of. This woman had two uh, doctorate degrees. So it's so many things that really compound um, the likelihood of black or brown women um, experiencing loss of themselves and of their children. Um, And then we just, we have to take that power back and we have to be in the driver's seat of creating the change that we want and we need to see. And we're not going to ask for permission. You don't have to ask for permission to advocate, right? You just do it. You show up, you show out, you create change. You show them why things need to change, you know? And it shouldn't have to change just from them seeing the death rate go up, right? Um, I often talk about how I'm tired of seeing us live on paper, but die in real life. Why am I only valuable to you as a statistic on a piece of paper, right? And why is my baby only valuable to you when you can study it in a lab? Like that's heart-wrenching, right? We want families to be able to thrive and go home together um but these systems are not set up to to really do that you know so we're the only people that can really change that trajectory for ourselves you know so i'm 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 grateful again to have this space with you so that we can talk about this because there are there are families that don't think that it impacts them because they haven't seen it um, but you don't want to wait until you've been affected by it for you to take action, right? So take this knowledge in as that piece that you needed to spark conversation, right? And spark interest in um, creating more opportunities to grow and to change with other people, you know? Um, getting involved with you, getting involved with Push for Empowered Pregnancies, getting involved with Melanated Moms, right? I'm so grateful for our partnership. These are the ways that we have um, more outlets and more opportunities for our stories to inspire others, but also for others to see like how much their lives literally can depend on having spaces like this, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: And I want to just say though, because when we start to talk about the Black maternal mortality rates and the stillbirth rates and how much higher it is, I don't want people who are not Black to think this is not their problem. Oh, yeah. Start to assume that it's not going to happen to them because they're not as likely. I had, you know, a very much lower chance of this happening. And the fact that stillbirth is really under 1% and it still happened to me, somebody educated and obviously not colored skin, but I am Latina, but still, I don't know that that came to play or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did come in by myself without my husband that night. So I do think there's bias with single women and things that could have been at play there, but I did not wear my ring normally, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. I think there are things like that, that could come into play for us. But I just think in general, people need to understand this. is not just because someone is black that's happening. That's not your risk factor being black. Like it's not because of your um, things with your health necessarily. It's the treatment. Um, and I do think seeing it as like okay this is a black issue right now is not looking at it right because it's all of our problem it can happen to you too Mm -hmm. and i don't want people to be like okay this is their fight right now you know and sitting by and that nothing will get really done because we all have to agree we all have to fight together on this sort of thing you know Mm -hmm. uh the allies and also just understanding that it can affect your own family too Mm-hmm. Um, anybody can have a stillbirth, you know, if you're a low risk pregnancy, you have a higher risk. What does that tell you? That tells you because low risk pregnancies get less care, you know, they're not looking for things. They're not giving you all the same amount of scans that you can fall through the cracks of the same system. That's the problem here. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point that out because sometimes I feel like it gets siloed and it gets to be where, Oh, that group's fighting for it. It's okay. Melanie, mom's taking care of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, like all the other groups, but we're a push from power pregnancy. We're a, a variety, you know, we're not um, any particular, I don't know, color or whatever. So I'm just saying, like, we look at it like stillbirth is a problem for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want, you know, non black families to join this situation too. Like, if we're going on a march, it should be everybody. For sure. And even seeing like the movie and you're probably like, oh, wow, that's horrible for them. You know, but it's like it's yeah. also horrible for you, you know, because unfortunately if she's not getting care and she was there asking for it. What? Well, I don't know. It could happen to you as well. You know, and it does. We do have other women dying, not just black women.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think there is always going to be an include an exclusion factor that people will put a spin on so that they can feel justified in not taking action, right? So um, I know that my skin color and different things that identify me as a Black woman definitely played a factor in my treatment, right? Uh, We also know that those are consistently issues that Black and Brown families have, Um, and for us at Melanated Moms, we're not just about your race or your ethnicity, how you physically show up, right? But it's also, how race, ethnicity, culture, language, gender identity, expression, all of these things play a huge factor in the way that you're able to obtain care, the way that people perceive you, um, and also um, the things that are made available to you. For me, I went to almost every appointment with my husband, and they asked me to present a marriage license to validate if I was pregnant, I'm mean, to validate if I was married. I've never, ever seen that happen. And I'm a nurse by, by trade. I've never, ever, ever asked a patient for their marriage license wow. to provide their care. You know what I'm saying? So like, I get it, you know, and it, it definitely isn't something that we need to do a us versus them on, um, but those things absolutely pay, play a huge factor in the reason that it is such a disproportionate rate, right? So what I do is I wanna make sure that we are inviting non-POC people to the table not just because it also impacts them, but because our allyship is the way that we're gonna create the change, right? So being aware of what's happening to everyone that's around you, whether or not it's your personal experience is our duty to one another, right? So it's us being able to invest in each other as each other's neighbors and um, each other's change maker, right? I can't do this without you, right? Um, but It does play a factor. It does create more separation in what's available and what's not, right? But we have different levels of um, involvement that we can use our privileges into who we are and and how we move in these spaces to our advantage, right? So um, a white woman, a Latina woman, a Black woman, all of us, have different levels of understanding um the world around us and how we can navigate it and how we can bring more things to the forefront right so i don't want to exclude that from the conversation i want to definitely include it um but i i, I hear you you know and saying like this isn't just a plc issue right um but i, I do want to make sure i'm clarifying melanated moms give space to everyone, you know, but we definitely, we highlight the things that happen to black and brown women because it is us, right? That's me. That's my community. I identify on many different angles, you know, but I, I don't want to separate, um, our goal or our mission, um, just by race or colorism even, because that's a whole nother conversation we could get to, (laughs) but, um, I, I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah I mean honestly like I'm reading the quote to you guys because I love it Martin Luther King and anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere mm-hmm. so we're caught in an in, inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly so that's kind of something I've always lived by because we are connected and I don't feel like yeah, exactly. I don't like when I see that where I feel like people are not joining together to support one another just because they don't see themselves as the one being affected.
1: Right, right. And I mean, you know, it will happen because that's how people are, right? Um, But when we're able to, again, have these conversations with each other and really put that on front, front street and give people the opportunity to see how it does relate to them, because we're all people, because we're all using the same systems, because we're all a part of the way that these things either continue to flourish or never change, rather, um, or the way that we dismantle it so it becomes more inclusive, right? But it, it comes from us inserting ourselves as a part of that solution and knowing that we all have responsibility to one another, you know? Um, you know, I'm, I mean, we're both women of a certain age, and <laughs> there are many things that we've seen. Um, change and evolve over time and it has come because people have been vocal about it right so creating more opportunities and rights for um, same-sex families for different uh, gender fluid um, identities to show up in the birthing space like those things came not just because one person said something right it came because more and more people collectively said, let me support you because you are a part of my community. I'm a part of the way that you're gonna be um, represented, represented in this space, right? So birth, um, birth, loss, stillbirth of all of these places, I'm sorry, super loud, um, it's no different, right? So we're, we're learning how to lean into one another um, and see each other for our commonalities instead of just our differences.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and like as
0: somebody who has had a stillbirth I mean I never thought it could happen to me and that's also a problem with our mentality you know like thinking well I did all the right things I I had good insurance I went to all the appointments I took my vitamins but mm-hmm. the piece that was missing was the care level and also the understanding of the risk and what I needed to do and Um, feeling like in a way untouchable in a pregnancy after a a previous one that went perfect and being Mm -hmm. told everything was perfect every appointment. So I just think that sharing like what you've shared today with the preeclampsia that you've been through, and it's important because, you know, we're all low risk out at the start, pretty much, unless you've had some kind of previous issue. And so I think we all should go into knowing that pregnancy can develop and have certain issues pop up for you. Yeah, always be very bold in speaking out and use that voice, you know, in your appointments like you're already a mother. We see that a lot because you need to advocate at that point when you're pregnant. Yeah.
1: And and also encouraging those conversations with your family. Um, I'm a huge component of having those intergenerational moments. Um, even if your family is not aware of how helpful it is to talk about their history with pregnancy, you do, right? So Right now for me, my two girls, they're very involved and very in tune with my pregnancy history. They understand what happened. They know about their two other siblings that didn't make it. They know how significant that was in my journey to get them here, right? So when it comes to the time where they're choosing if motherhood is their path, they're gonna be informed. They're gonna know what questions to ask. They're gonna know how to tap into me, not just as their resource, and, and their mom, but also as someone who's given them the space to ask, what does it mean to be a Black woman in this space? What does it mean to be a woman in this space going towards this, this new journey of, uh, you know, the, the next phase of their lives, right? So we have that unique responsibility and, and honor of teaching our children the significance of their voices and how that also changes the way that things are gonna be in the next 10 years, 20 years, right? So hopefully these conversations will become better as opposed to worse, right? So we've seen black maternal health completely decline over 20, 30 years, but we are also seeing having more advocates and spaces to talk about things like this with you. Um, We're going to change the trajectory of that, right? We know how all these things impact all of us, but it it changes with spaces like this. Sorry, I keep saying the same thing. <laughs> no, it makes sense. We need to drill it in their head.
0: <laughs> going to help. Don't give up. And I do feel like sometimes it's hard working as an advocate. And you know, we all just want to hear. I don't know about others, but I do this for free because I really want to and I want to see change. And I don't want anyone to suffer the way that I have in my family. And you know, knowing knowledge to me, it needs to be transferred and, you know, continue to help other people improve, you know, and have a better outcome, especially if there's something that I feel could be easily done or, you know, just demanded because it comes to that sometimes, like check me out for everything. I went a little bit crazy in my pregnancy after loss, because I was like, I had no answers at that time, what happened with my previous loss and my two miscarriages. So I was just like in a state of like, it's going to happen again. I know it's It's going to be a different way possibly, but I just yeah. was like on point, like just anything I felt different. I was like fighting over, I need this tested until they finally found things and, yeah. you know, made sure that I got treatments and I just didn't rely on the fact that it's going to be all good and they're, they're going to know what they're doing and stuff. So, I mean, it yeah. did change me and the way that I proceeded with my own pregnancy. So I kind of want to rub that off to all the moms, like, yeah, trust your doctor enough to like take the care of it advice, but also you can get a second opinion or if you're not happy with them, go to another provider that is listening to you. Yeah. You know, there's a lot you can do and you know, you don't have to just take the first thing that's said to you.
1: Right, yeah, Um. and like you said, like being a part of your care, you know, so don't let the care just happen to you um, insert yourself, you know, this is your experience, and this is your child, right? Um, I also, I can share with you, I have a, um, a list of questions that I developed with some of our doula friends to really help us um, empower more um, moms, women, and birthing people to ask the questions that they need answers to um, without feeling that fear of being, you know, pushed back or the hesitancy, right? So it gives them the words that they need to Um, express themselves and to um, express their concerns so I can definitely share that with you and to share with the the audience Um, yeah so I, I I really know like for me when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter um I just constantly was told you know let's just terminate this pregnancy it's really terrible this 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 but it took me understanding um my advocacy started with my pregnancy right it started with me knowing like I've changed all of these things about myself and my life my household and whatever I've removed all these stressors I am not about to let you people stress me out and tell me that my baby's not worth it right even if unfortunately I had to go through the same experience I knew that I was going to go into it the way that I needed to um because I'm going to push for what I wanted which was you know, to have a live baby, right? But it's also understanding, you know, again, if I'm constantly getting resistance about um, the type of support I want or I need, um, I have to be it, you know? If they're not gonna give it to me, I have to be it. Um, But I, I want to make sure that I'm conveying, I don't want another mom or woman or birthing person to go through that. I wanna be a part of their support solution, you know, and this is why we exist and this is why we have great partnerships with, with organizations like yours, um, so that they know they can reach out to us at any time and they can get the support and encouragement and the resources that they need so that they're not pushed into a decision that is not theirs, It's you know, they're going into um, their pregnancy choices um, well informed um, and well supported, right? And if by chance they do have the experience of a pregnancy loss, they also know how to tap into the right support systems to get through it, right? Because that's also a space that a lot of people don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about how hard it is to get through that heartbreak of carrying a life inside of you that, you know, didn't make it earthside. side. So I think it's also important to highlight that, you know, the support groups and, you um, different counseling opportunities that are available through organizations like ours, um, that is also very pivotal in making sure everyone has equitable support, right? So I definitely want to make sure to put that out there.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important because unfortunately, even with stillbirth, we want to prevent them all, but we can't all. Um, Sometimes there is an issue and only about 10% are genetic, but there are other issues that might happen and might be too quick, you know, to catch, especially with the level of care we all get at the beginning. So I just want everyone to know that there are support resources and we have a lot on our website as well. So everyone feel free to reach out. It's always hard when it happens, to and you feel so alone and like this just happened to me and nobody else around me, you know, and you'll come to realize it does happen sadly so much in our country. And there's other women like you that are, you know, working through all these feelings and their partners as well. We have, you know, dads now speaking out, which is really uncommon up until now. They're dads that grieve online openly about their babies and that's normalized now, which is great because we need that support. We don't need to feel alone in this and it's very painful. So yeah,
1: the loss is experienced by the entire family. So, you know, it is, it's, it's so Empowering and such a breath of fresh air to see fathers and grandparents and all of these other people who are a part of that experience to express how that loss affected them. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, my
0: friend um, Brittany has another group surviving siblings. I'll plug because she's talking mm-hmm. about the siblings' grief too, which is heavy for a baby uh, child before the loss or after even they might grieve not having their siblings. So we mm-hmm. need to be able to support those little ones too. and. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your group, what you're working on now? I know you always have a lot going on so feel free to plug whatever you're doing.
1: Yeah, Um. so you know um, we have our upcoming fundraiser October 29th um, where we're raising funds to open up a, um, a birthing center in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, Trenton is a maternal health desert. Um, it is also a city that is you know um, majority populated by black and brown families. Um, so we want to be a part of that solution of providing care um, and support to the families that need it. Um, we're also going to be launching uh, Melanated Moms University in September. <laughs> so definitely be on the lookout for that. That's um, We're going to be housing um, our, you know, our Find Your World training as well as other programs uh, where we're providing those resources that moms always ask for all in one really cool um, platform. Um, and then last but not least, it's just continuing to support each other you know so tap into melanatedmoms.com send us an email at contact us at if you have any particular questions or inquiries and you know we try to make sure to we respond quickly um, and we find the resources that they're that they're asking us for so you know I just again I appreciate the opportunity thank you so much for you know Extending this this invitation to me. Thank you for also being a, one of our Find Your War graduates, um, and really, you know, seeing how impactful it is to utilize your voice in a space like this. So, thank you again. Mm, thank you so much. I
0: love all those projects, and I like that they're very actionable. You know, you're gonna see if you donate, the money's going somewhere, and it's gonna create great change and help families that really need it. And to have like a desert of maternity care, that to me is so scary. I'm like, how can there be that? You know, like everyone's birthing, there should be enough resource for everyone, but sadly there isn't. And that's what causes a lot of disparities too.
1: Right, right. But we have these conversations to change it. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm grateful for it. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Shay. Thank you everyone for watching. Please let us know if you have any future questions for her as well. Um, I will say she is one of the people in the community who does, you know, really support others in doing this work. So, you know, I tag her all the time and she always shares. So thank you, Jay, because I know we all have different audiences. So it helps. We all reshare each other's information and resources. So thank you for that as well. And hope you have a wonderful day, everyone.
1: Take care. Bye.
0: Bye. I hope this episode has helped you in preparing for your pregnancies. As you can see, Jay has so much experience and she's there to support anyone who needs her so please reach out if you are pregnant at the moment. Remember to share this episode on social media so you can help others in your circle grow their knowledge and have a better birth outcome. Remember that all the posts that we share and our episodes are not meant to be medical advice. We are simply trying to help you and inform you as you continue your pregnancy but always remember that you should consult your provider if you have any questions or concerns. They're there to help you and they are available to you 24-7, even if you have to go into the hospital or ER. Again, follow us on social media to continue up to date with our next episodes and our posts. And feel free to connect with us in the DMs if you have any questions, we would be happy to be there for you. You are not alone. This is your community and we hope that you will continue to watch our future and past episodes to continue to add to your knowledge as we interview birth workers providers researchers and even people who have experienced different births so that when you get to your birth you'll be a little bit more informed and prepared for whatever comes your way goodbye for now